Welcome to the Kimmy Travels podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Walter. I am an expert expat and a slow traveler who spent nearly 15 years abroad. Join me as I talk about a variety of topics surrounding all things travel, living abroad, and social issues. Pull up a seat as I share some of my most exciting stories and experiences. You'll also hear from my fellow Globetrotters, and you'll get my take on what's going on in the world. Welcome back, everybody, to the Kiwi Travels podcast. Today, we have another spectacular guest by way of Dallas and Baltimore, Gerald Lavelle. He is an artist, professor, imaginaire, and writer. Welcome, Gerald. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. I'm so glad that you could come today. So today, uh, Gerald is going to talk to us a bit about his experience attending an HBCU. If you don't know what that is, Gerald, what is an HBCU? A historically Black college or university. Okay. So some of our listeners may be outside of the U.S. Can you tell us why we have these types of special universities just for um, us? Wow. Well, I guess uh, long story short, Mm -hmm. there was once a time in American history when uh, (laughs) when uh, uh, black people or people of African descent and perhaps other people of color were uh, did not have the opportunities uh, at large numbers to be educated in uh, the nation's universities. And so Mm -hmm. after the Civil War, there were maybe there was maybe one or two that was founded before the uh, Civil War, but the majority of historically black colleges and universities were founded after the Civil War, mm-hmm. and they were places where black people could be educated. And a lot of them started out as um, agriculture and technical universities, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, trainings for uh, educators, pastors, you know, um, nurses, medical workers. So uh, those that was the you know um, what that was. So though, so black people who wanted to have higher education, uh, historically black colleges, colleges founded specifically, you know, for uh, black people or people of African descent. Mm-hmm. That is where people went. Yeah, we had the opportunity to to study, like you said, higher education. Perfect. So in your story in particular, studying at an HBCU opened up a lot of doors and a lot of avenues. But before we get into that, let's let the people know how we know each other. Yeah. Yeah. So Gerald is a dear friend of mine that I met in high school. Do you have any like memories? I mean, don't share, don't overshare, but do you have any like memories from our high school days? Do I have any memories from our high school days? I have a lot of memories from our high school days. I don't know, just laughing, walking through the hallways. Oh, some of my favorite memories were when we worked in the guidance counseling office. <gasps> That's right. We had, I guess that was senior year. We had like a free period. And because we are so, I don't know, like, I don't know, emotionally mature at that age, we were guidance counselor aides and yeah. we worked really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like remember what our official duties were. I just remember like if somebody needed to be taken out of class, we went with like the official note. (laughs) There's just a lot of goofing off, I think. (laughs) And that's probably where we had some of our most fun and best conversations and you know 
Oh, um, so we graduated high school, you guys, in 1999. Back in the day. So it's been a minute. Well, more than a minute. It's been a a, a long, long time. <laughs> and for the record, I was an early graduate. So I'm yes, yes, older. Gerald is a baby. He's yes. just so intelligent. They skipped him like three or four grades. I <laughs> so, <laughs> just have to make that note. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let the people know. All right. So after high school, I went to university close here uh, in the Metroplex. Um, and I want to know how you decided to go to an HBCU because my my older sister went to one. But I don't know if I, I don't know why I didn't ever consider it because I mean, I, I was playing on a basketball scholarship. So I think I just kind of went where I was recruited. Um but can you tell us like a bit of the thought process behind choosing that or did it just happen or like, how did that even happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's multi-layered. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to be as brief as possible, I guess. Uh, but I'm going to uh, want to be thorough, I guess. I uh, I mean, I grew up, my, my mother, um, it was just very important to her uh, to instill a lot of, um, you know, obviously, you know, values, but particularly for us to have a, a, a very strong foundation and understanding of ourselves, um, our, our, our heritage. And so, um, you know, that's what we talked a lot about in, in our home, you know, just, you know, and not even talked about, but you talked about and just kind of like what was just sort of like blackness. And mm -hmm. so I grew up with a lot of uh, a, a lot of pride in my heritage. Um, and a lot of curiosity as well, you know, because I just, you know, was exposed to so many different things at a young age. But um, we um, we used to go to the Grambling and Prayer View game. My mom used to take us to the Grambling and Prayer View game at the Cotton Bowl. Okay. <laughs> you know, when I, when that's I, like um, a park, a stadium, and that's very well known in, in Dallas. And this is kind of like a yearly meeting between two, can we call them rival? I guess so. You know rival I mean? black colleges. So there's like this huge football game. I mean, of course, the highlight is the halftime show because you've got Battle of the Bands and all the dancers and paint a picture for us, if you will. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let me see if I can paint a picture. With your you. words. Okay. Cotton Bowl. <laughs> Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl is... In is in South Dallas, is at the Texas State Fair, which I guess is probably the largest fair in the country, all right? So this is always during fair season that the, I think that the uh, Grambling, Grambling, Grambling State University versus Prairie View A&M, which is Agricultural and Mechanical University. Um, and they meet up every year and play as a big game. And so every alumni, current students, people who never went to school there, so they're just the Cotton Bowl is usually packed with all of these people who are there for this event, and it's always, it's always the jam. It's and, the um, jam. It's the bee's knees. It's the bee's and knees. It's packed. Like, and it's packed. Just imagine, I don't want to say shoulder to shoulder, but I mean, um, it's a lot of folks. <laughs> a black yeah, folks. I got, I got lost at the game one time when I was a kid. You got lost? Got oh, lost. no. Was it so a I trauma? Think. Did you have some trauma? Probably a little bit. <laughs> Mom, where are you? Where are you, Mom? Well, obviously, you were found. <laughs> no. Is that you? Mom, no. <laughs> you know, I think all Black people look alike. <laughs> because we do, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, so grew up doing, but also my aunts, my three aunts, 
uh, went to Prairie View A&M University. Mm-hmm. So I also grew up looking through their yearbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle, one of my uncles, I think he went to Texas Southern University and then uh, um, became a professor there, I think. Um, and so it was just kind of like, that, that was just a part of it for me. And then, you know, furthermore, um, you know, I, I just had to say, like, I, you know, I went to, I, I grew up in a historically black neighborhood. So the neighborhood. That's I, true. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so I was surrounded by community all the time. Mm-hmm. Growing up. Then when I went to school, the schools that I went to, um, except for the school that was in my neighborhood, neighborhood school, which was also a magnet school, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it was very multicultural. But after that, you know, all the schools I went to were multicultural, but sort of like they were still predominantly white. That's you know? right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so I think so, that, you know, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> oh no, we come back to all of that. I mean, because honestly, like I had a great experience at at at, at, at our, in high school. You know, generally speaking, mm-hmm. but, um, I think when it was time to start thinking about college, you know, I think I had I, I, I always knew. I think that I wanted to go to a historically black college for me in my mind and probably my mom's it was sort of expected. My sister also went to a historically black college. So um, my sister went to Howard. And so, you know, so it's just sort of like been a part of my life. But, uh, but one thing that I knew I wanted in my college experience, you know, probably talking with my guidance counselor, Mr. Thomas. Oh, who, Mr. Thomas. Mr. Thomas. I just get so upset because all the kids with all of their problems and issues and their little teen dramas will always be in his office talking and crying. And I used to just be like, yo, can y'all dip? I'm trying to talk about college. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't talking about nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah, that ain't even house. a real problem. Y'all gonna be talking <laughs> next week. <laughs> I'm trying to go to college. So, um, but Mr. Thomas you know, was actually, a, you know, a, a, he was an advocate, really, in a way, like, you know, no one was talking about, you know, historically black colleges, uh, you know, um, at, at our high school. But uh, I guess when I started talking to Mr. Thomas about college and what I wanted him, you know, I think one question that he asked me surely was, what do you want in your college experience, you know, for your college experience? So that is you know. so important. Where was I when y'all were having this talk? I feel like I should have been in that room, too. <laughs> Probably should have, but you know, I was real. I, was like, I wanted my time with Mr. Thomas, and I was because I wanted. That was all the time I had. I was like, I ain't sharing this with nobody. <laughs> all but, right, I see how it is. I see how it is. Yeah. But it's nice. I mean, can we just take a moment to appreciate our teachers, our mentors, um, and the effort that they put in? Because at the end of the day, both of us ended up as educators. I mean, mind blown. (laughs) So it's nice that we can look back on those positive uh, impacts of, you know, teachers that kind of helped us along the way. So can I ask like why Morehouse specifically? You want to shout out your college? Yeah, Morehouse College, yes, that was 1867. Uh, Why Morehouse specifically? Because um, I knew that the when I'm thinking about the type of college experience that I wanted, I knew that I wanted to um, be academically challenged. I knew that I wanted uh, I, I had aspirations for my future, so I wanted to go to a reputable school. Um, um, so there was that name recognition, and plus mm-hmm. the network. Uh, Morehouse is a, a is a highly uh, connected and uh, you know school institution, you know, and um, so 
I knew that those were things that were important to me. And I wanted to be around black people that I knew would, um, that I just hadn't been around before. Like I was just really open to the diversity of black folks. And I knew that Morehouse and, and Spelman and those schools like really attracted a, a, a very broad range of backgrounds, you know, people from, you know, a broad range of backgrounds. So, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted a small school because our high school was a big school you know, uh, what we had like 720 graduates and probably 20 of us. 729, if I remember correctly. I don't even know how that number popped into my head, but it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds about right, though, right? Oh my gosh, so random. Why do I know that? <laughs> okay, but I know it. Anyway, 729 graduates at the class of 1989. Oh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Let's, let's, let's like back check me later. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, though. Yeah, I could be. I could be. Hmm. You know, but there was a lot of people. And, you know, I think about, like I said, 20 of us were probably, but I remember I counted at graduation. Mm. I was like, I started to count. Um, But um, what was I saying? So, uh, what was I saying? Morehouse. Morehouse. The diversity of Black people. Right. The alumni Mm -hmm. network, the diversity of, of people, the opportunities that, you know, uh, were afforded to Morehouse students, you know, so, um, so that's, you know, pretty much those, were, those were the reasons. And when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I remember watching HBO comedy, this stand up comedy special that was Sinbad and Sinbad did his stand up show at Morehouse and it was recorded. It was on HBO and it was during homecoming. And I just. Oh, wow. Oh, You're like, I want to be there. I yeah. want to go there. That must have been an awesome experience. So it was actually at Morehouse that you got kind of this idea, maybe, to travel or to go abroad? Actually, no. My no? Tra- my ideas to travel and go abroad started as a young a youngin. You know what I okay. mean? Okay. Tell us about it, youngin. youngin. I mean, <laughs> With the know. worldview. <laughs> You know, again, like I think that people don't really understand that Dallas itself, as segregated as Dallas is or can be, Mm -hmm. is still a very multicultural city. And um, and like I said, you know, my elementary school was quite multicultural. And so I just always, you know, learned a lot about other cultures. And I was just always curious. Uh, You know, I used to especially watching movies and listening to songs and things like that. Those would uh, even reading books, you know, all of these would they would take me to all these different places. Mm-hmm. And I, I really remember being young and just uh, imagining myself sitting on a stoop in New York, you know what I'm saying? Wearing like a, you know, wearing a, a bomber jacket or something. Or like, <laughs> you know, uh, from Texas to New York. <laughs> so, you know, hey, that's the concrete jungle where dreams are made of. It is. <laughs> it is. You know? So uptown, baby, uptown. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so that's, you know, so, it, you know, that, that really started as a, at a young age. And again, you know, even thinking about, um, you know, again, my mom always talking about Africa, 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 you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just really, um, really sort of planting in my mind, the seed in my mind that Africa was a, a, a place that is not necessarily what was depicted in, on television. That is so important because, I mean, even to this day, there are people whose only exposure comes from that mass media and that image that they're pushing of, you know, poverty and destructive and death. Which is a very deliberate thing, you Mm -hmm. know. Absolutely. Part Mm -hmm. part of an agenda, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? 
uh, it's like, you know, either a part of an agenda or just, you know, from a, a, a terribly limited perspective. And so I think nothing is done by accident. You know, it's all by design. It's all by design. Um, well, how about tell us about your first time abroad and how that came about? Okay. All right. Let me think. Okay. So uh, I was a freshman in college. I was actually so right. Connection. Boom, boom, boom. My major in college was actually international studies. Uh, so, you know, so I went in with that already in mind. Again, you know, just really curious about the world. Uh, so I had a friend who, okay, going back to Morehouse again, you know. So it's, you know, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was from Florida. Um, the projects, he was from the projects in Florida, you know, wherever city he was from. Um, and I bring that up because he spoke three different languages. Wow. And, you know, it was just a, a, a brilliant person. And he was, I think at the time he was between biology and international studies. And so we used to just talk about traveling and things. He had already been abroad, you know, in high school and all of this stuff. And so, you know, that was to, that to me, that's like really impressive. I'm coming from Dallas. I don't know very many people who speak more than one language. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to meet um, a, a young black male who was like my age, who spoke three different languages. Which languages did he speak? Um, uh, Mandarin, Chinese Mandarin, mm-hmm. right? He spoke French and Spanish. Wow. Well, then English, so. In English, so four, right? Yeah, awesome. And so actually with the, with the Mandarin, he went to, he, 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 was, he didn't come into college speaking that language. He went to, he studied um, at Middlebury for a summer before going to China when he was studying abroad. So he did an immersion program at Middlebury. Mm. So, but we were talking, you know, stuff and he was like, yeah, man, you know, I want to go to, you know, you know, uh, Senegal for the summer, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, really, that'd be dope. You know what I mean? And um, our advisor was actually an ambassador to Senegal. And so, um, you know, so they, so I just went and talked to him. There was a program that, you know, our advisor was on the board for. And um, we were just talking and he's like, oh, you want to go? I'm like, dog, I don't speak French. Parlez-vous français? So my friend was like, yo, he was like, if you come, he was like, you know, well, I, I speak French, so like I can translate for you. So I was like, I, you know, so I go to the advisor and, um, you know, I'm holding this pamphlet that my friend gave me and that obviously the advisor must have given to him. And so mm-hmm. he asked me, uh, Professor Cole said, he said, um, he said, okay, so what do you think? And I was like, I think it's cool. And he said, so do you want to go? And I said, um, well, I can't really afford to go. He said, well, I didn't ask you if you could afford to go. I asked you if you want to go. And I said, yeah, I want to go. He said, well, then go. And I said, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> You're like, but how? <laughs> and I walked out of his office. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Full of energy and hope and like, yes. How old were you at this time? 18. Okay. Just for reference. So you were a freshman or since you graduated early and skipped all those grades, you're already a junior at 18. (laughs) I mean, everybody ain't that quick with the math. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to reveal everything. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) young Gerald. (laughs) Has the idea, like, I want to go to Senegal this summer. Wow, that's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when he said that, that's, that always stands out to me. I love to tell that story because that was, I mean, he was very specific. He said, do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And I said, I answered him with, I can't afford to go. Mm-hmm. And he said, I didn't ask you if you can afford to go. I asked you if you want to go. And I mm-hmm. said, yes, I want to go. And then he said, then go. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was that was incredible because then from that moment on, I did what I need. I just, I just raised the money. You, you did know? what you needed to do to make it happen. Make okay. It happen. So some people listening to this story might be in a very similar situation. Like they have a goal or they have a dream and it just seems so unattainable, especially now maybe, you know, with COVID hitting and a lot of jobs have been lost. So explain how you made it happen. Like you said, you did fundraising, but like specifically, who did you ask? Where did you do? What did you do? Right. Did you get like extra summer jobs? Like well, step by step, what was the plan? Well, I think one, the, there were a lot of people, mentors and whatnot, who were around me who recognized um, that drive, you know, and just, I was a young person, mm-hmm. you know? And so at that time, especially when you're young people and you have ambition and goals mm-hmm. and stuff, people, mm-hmm. you know, are generally willing to support that. Willing to support you. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, can you go to someone and be just like, I want to go to Senegal, can I have some money for my ticket? Okay. Like, how so, did you do that? Did you so pitch it? What did you do? I tapped into my communities. Yes. Communities. Communities. All right. Got it. So, you know, my church community back home, right? Because Morehouse, for those of you who don't know, is in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Dallas. Mm -hmm. All right. So the, um, my communities included my family community. Good. My communities included my church community. Mm-hmm. My communities included my friends. Mm-hmm. My communities included, you know, my mentors and, you know, my school community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about all of those and I said, okay, so now I got to ask, I got to let people know what I'm trying to do and, and ask them for it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know I'm a writer. I, I like to write. I don't think that one has to be a an, an an incredible writer to craft a letter to say, "Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing, and I would like your support." You know, so I think I wrote one of those letters and sent it to the pastor at my church. You know, they raised money for me. Um, you know, I talked to some um, my uncles and aunts, and they gave me some money. Um, I told my friends what I was doing. Some of my friends, you know, gave me money. Your broke college uh, student friends are like, I got you, G. Here's yeah. five on it. <laughs> actually, 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 to be honest with you, the friends that gave me the most money, you know what I mean, um, were not in college at all. In fact, one of my oh. friends, um, you know, uh, didn't graduate from high school, but, you know, we were friends and she mm-hmm. was like, you going to Africa? And gave me some money. Wow, that's awesome. You know, so I think that, that the support thing, that you have. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of us do. Right. But we sometimes we're afraid to ask. That's or, true. Like I would bury my head in the sand. <laughs> I think before I mean, at that age, I was so incredibly shy before asking somebody for money. So yeah. um, hey, kudos to you for like, to either, though, you know what I mean? getting over that fear. We have to kind of get with, again, the question was, do you want to go? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I love I mean, and that's powerful, right? So you are not thinking about what could possibly hold you back or, you yeah. know, saying, but, 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 you know, that's what we do. We butt ourselves until we're in a corner. We're not going anywhere. Exactly. But if you set that goal, it's like, I am. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. And then mm-hmm. you just, you got to get there. 
you got to get that mentality. That's awesome. That's it. You know, so that's what happened. And, you know, it's beautiful. And then also the organization that I went through, they had, they offered scholarships. So I applied for the scholarship. And then my advisor was like, I mean, it was his, he was, a, you know, like I said, an advocate. So then he wrote me a check. So I actually ended up with more than enough money to mm-hmm. go and kick it. So I was able to buy gifts for people mm-hmm. who had, uh, you know, who had supported, supported the cause. Yes. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So how was Senegal? I mean. Even though, um, you know, like I said, my friend was like, hey, let's go to Senegal this summer, you know. And I was like, well, really, like I said, I always knew I wanted to travel, you know. But um, and to be honest with me, with you, I told myself that I didn't want to go anywhere in the world before I stepped foot on the continent of Africa. So when that came about, it was like, this is great. Like my, my first time going abroad is going to be in Africa, West Africa at that. I was like, I want to go. I, I knew I wanted to go to Africa. So I think probably all these things were just already in my mind and just sort of developing and just, you know, needed certain parts to, you know, come together for it to actually happen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was great. Like when I, when I first, um, I just remember... I remember stepping off the plane. I remember being greeted as brother, even though some mm. people might have been like, hey, brother, brother, brother. So what's up? You get a little dollar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was the fact that they were calling me brother and mm-hmm. smiling when I stepped off the plane. Like I've, I've never experienced anything like that before, mm-hmm. you know? So um, so that was just immediately, that was that was an incredible, an incredible feeling. It's another reason that travel for me is so important because it literally will like, shift your perspective your eyes will just kind of be forced open you can't unsee the reality and then you have to think why was I told that or why did I believe Mm -hmm. that also you know we we, we don't often enough you know I guess in our education or in our communities or whatever like have those opportunities to um, interact or you know participate in in cultural exchange that is true that is definitely lacking that is it's so like eurocentric our whole education system oh don't even get me started is a joke yeah i just need need some deep breaths okay (laughs) i need a moment (laughs) but that's what we come in as educators Uh, you know like you said you know i mean like the educators for us who were most impactful you know for me you know, like really prioritize that type of thing in their mm-hmm. practice, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so that for me, that stood out, you know? And so, you know, I could be in an Uber or a cab in New York City and have a driver and they'll be talking, I'm like, oh, where are you from? They'll be like, I'm I'm from Africa. And I'll be like, uh, yeah, okay. like where in Africa? Where? I do, people, I know it's not a country. <laughs> I'm like, one of them educated Negroes. <laughs> And then I feel all like, you know, I'm educated. I've been around the world. You don't have to just say Africa. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that that tends to happen. You know what I mean? It's so I think it's okay to ask questions. You know, I don't. You know, everybody's always really sensitive about what questions to ask, how you ask them. So I mean, if you're a thinking person, you know, you probably want to approach something with some, you know, whatever. I mm-hmm. you know, I prefer class. But uh, but just authenticity, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, when you're genuinely curious about something, it's okay to ask, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, 
you know, cab driver, you know, in the cab, hey, okay, what's your name? Oh, cool. Uh, did I say it right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said, okay, cool. That, you know, um, well, is it, I've always been told that Africans don't like African-Americans. Is that true? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I know you can't speak for everybody on the continent of Africa, but like, you what's know. Your what's your personal thoughts? experience? Like, what do you think? Yeah, you know, so. Do your own field, field research. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned New York. Um, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you went around the world and back again? Again, that is a place I always wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, growing up, I'm like, I want to live in New York, I want to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Again, my sister lived in New York, too, so that was kind of like, cool, I got a family member who had lived there. Mm-hmm. Ironically, by the time I moved to New York, she had moved out, so we mm-hmm. weren't there at the same time. But, um, but I just always just had this fascination with New York City, like a lot of people do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I guess I just was brave enough to pack up and go. You know, I was working... Um, I was working, I mean, I, you know, just, I was working here in Dallas after I graduated college. I depressingly came back to Texas. Okay. And, um, but it was necessary. And, um, and then I was just working and I had this cool, it was a really, it was all right job. You know, I had a nice little office, a little computer. <laughs> a cubicle. <laughs> I'd, be in my, I'd, be in my, I'd be in my office. I shut the door. Mm-hmm. And I would be playing, you know, uh, radio stations, you know, these, you know, New York DJs and, you know, or or even Giles Peterson or somebody who's in, based in London, you know, but he'd be mm-hmm. playing all this world music and stuff. And so I'd just be here and Dallas just kind of like really longing for the the experience of like actually dancing to, you know, some of these songs in real life around other people mm-hmm. or, you know, going to some of these events and things that some of my friends were, you know, telling me about when we were talking on the phone. So, um, you know, so I had a, a one friend who was just always be like, yo, you need to be in New York. You need to be in New York. Come to New York. Man, we do this and that. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to get there. All right, cool. I'm working this job. I ain't making much money. So I'm like, I mean, I'm trying to get this job, right? So I'm like, okay. So I'd be in that. I'd always be in, I would be in my, my office in Dallas, Texas, but the world inside of that office through the music and stuff mm-hmm. was totally like New York or elsewhere. Yeah. And I mean, okay, you went to school out of state, you traveled abroad, you know, when you were young. So you had already, you knew, right. It wasn't just like some idea, like, Oh, the world is a big place, like past my town, my city, my state, my country, like you'd been out there. Yeah. So your mind was open. So I can imagine because <clears throat> maybe or maybe not, I'm feeling that right now, that being back in your hometown is a little difficult. It's a, a readjustment. So that need to kind of get out and explore and, you know, feed that that dream that you had. That's what, and that's what it was, you know, and, and actually at the time, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I was like, I just, I, I felt like I had just left Dallas, you know, it had only been what, four years. Right. Well, I mean, you finished college early too, right? Like two years early. <laughs> Dang, I got it. <laughs> so then you were 14. <laughs> okay. Four year four year degree. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> oh, and then did you you got your degree in international studies? Is that right? I got my degree in international studies. Okay. So how'd you become a teacher? Um you moving fast, Sean. <laughs> I just, I, there's, I, I was just trying to connect the dots, you know, fill them gaps. <laughs> okay, so really, my whole, my whole, it's, 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 um, 
it's not uh it's just not a linear path you know what i'm saying it just was not life is not linear i totally agree absolutely now i think that education has i know that education has always been important to me Mm -hmm. you know um and being an educator like you know there are a lot of educators in my family you know um and so you know i just always understood education to be important and mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to had always been enrolled in school and you know in in excellent schools you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. so um so that's just kind of what it was and i just over time just started to learn that i had a gift to um you know you know identify talent and also you know uh bring out talent in mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and that's um, cool. yeah you know, it wasn't something that I actually thought I was setting out to do, mm-hmm. but it was something that I recognized that uh, that I was good at, and mm-hmm. I felt like I had, uh, I kind of felt like I had a, sort of a responsibility, you know. Okay, that you would have been doing a disservice not to share your talent. Exactly. Awesome. That's exactly. so cool. So of all your travels, you know, uh, nationally, internationally, is there any experience, I mean, I know it's hard to like pinpoint one experience, but is there any experience that has really stood out to you that's made like a big impact on you? You know, each time I've been abroad is obviously different. Each place uh-huh. is different. Uh-huh. You know, everything is different. and. Mm-hmm new and exciting and 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 a lot of times when i'm just like out in the world that you know wherever i am in texas somewhere there may be a smell that reminds me of a place that i went to or mm-hmm. you know maybe it's a, a breeze that comes through and somehow reminds me of that time when i was wherever you know there are all these a lot of times there are these little things that remind me of places that i've been and experiences that i've had and so then those are are, are those really small moments of joy that i that I really like, you know, um, like I said, each one is different. Senegal. I love that. That's beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Senegal, you know, cause that was the first place I had ever went to. Um, and it was, you know, and that experience, I was there for an entire summer and mm-hmm. it was just, that was incredibly eye opening. Um, uh, just got so much love there and was able to exchange so much love and just had and learn so much. So I think that I grew exponentially when I went there that time. So that is a, a very significant moment. Then I studied abroad in the Dominican Republic. So I lived there for about six months mm-hmm. um, around my junior year in college. And we talked about this yesterday. That's, that's <gasps> we awesome. did. That's when your Spanish was like, arriba. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I, I wasn't about to be left with just one language. No, no, <laughs> out here, you know, like, home. ain't nobody got time to be monolingual. <laughs> I, I need to be able to know what's going on. And one of my favorite things is when somebody is speaking particularly Spanish, that's the language that I speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be honest with you all. I don't consider myself fluent, but other people have said, oh, you're fluent. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I I think of myself as being conversational because now I don't really practice it as much, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But, but, you know, that was just like, I'm not, I, I don't want to. I, I want to learn other language. So anyway, you know, so my time in the Dominican Republic was important too because that was the most significant, I mean, you know, um, ex, what extended time uh, that I spent somewhere else. So that was the second time, right? right. And, you know, this is the Dominican Republic. So it's like, I did experience, you know, some of that 
racism that people like mm-hmm. to reference when talking about the Dominican Republic. I had locks at the time, so um, and you know I'm, and you know I guess I'm kind of like a chocolate souffle. Yeah, you are. Hey, boo boo. I don't know where to take this story because it's so layered, but I did experience a lot of that racism, but I also experienced a lot of love there too. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's twofold. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unfortunately, racism, like not to just paint like, oh, travel, go explore. That's important. But you will find racism all over the world and not just against um, dark. It's usually against the darker hued people of whichever land you're visiting. That's the other global pandemic that everybody's mm-hmm. talking about. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That is, that's, that is, is happening. But I, but the thing is, is that I don't want people to, uh, to think about experiencing racism in another country. Cause then that, that could really scare you. It's like, okay, well, I understand racism here in America, but to be in another country and experience it, whoa. But to me, that's like, that's not a fear to lead with because at the same time, I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've experienced Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. with my own self Mm -hmm. is that black people get a lot, black Americans get a lot of love in other countries. Yes, that is definitely a privilege of being American. I've seen that shift like instantaneously um, because (laughs) I'm black, obviously. (laughs) But if I go to a country with an Afro um, population, they're going to think I'm from there and you get treated you know, any kind of way. And then whether it's like, for me, I had a, a, cause I learned Spanish in Spain. So my, I had to lose that real quick when I went to Colombia, but they would assume that I was Afro-Colombiana. And then, you know, you get treated like, like whatever. And then what, however they figure out that you're from US, like, oh, let me just change my customer service skills real quick because obviously you must have money. And I'm like, ha, I'm a teacher. <laughs> But you know, gotcha. you know, I'm broke you know, too. Look, I want to say this. I want to say this about that part, right? Mm. Is that um, in our minds, or you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I really don't make that much money. You know what I mean? For example, I mean I'm loaded now, but whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, oh, you know. And so when you're in this place, and people are assuming that you have a lot of money because you were able to travel, mm-hmm. I can understand that because mm-hmm. it's not. It's not a it's, 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 it's not an inexpensive thing, but like, I think if you, once you get the hang, when you know how to budget, mm-hmm. when you know how to uh, live a certain way, or you can, mm-hmm. you know, I also, I grew up between the city and the country, mm-hmm. you know, so for me, you know, um, you know, being in certain environments or certain landscapes, that wasn't, it wasn't a new thing to me necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. So even when I was, you know, traveling, like, in, you know, my early 20s and just going to different countries, so I would stay at hostels, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes, you know, if I was staying somewhere that had a little kitchenette, you know, I'm cooking mm-hmm. my own food, mm-hmm. you know, a great like way that. to save money, by the way. There's so many ways to travel on a budget you don't always have to be in the five star and like ballin because then mm-hmm. i mean if that's what you love if you like like a luxurious like mm-hmm. getaway and like this is what i've been working hard for i really want to enjoy it like that um but for me i just want to be there so i'm gonna find a way right scrape together right. my pennies um to be there yeah mm-hmm. i think also you kind of have to like understand and like tap into your network you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i feel right now i feel really comfortable pretty much going I mean, going almost anywhere on the planet, you know, uh, just because I feel like if that's a place that I want to go to, there's, you know, chances are if I don't know someone there, 
I know someone who's been there or mm-hmm. who's from there or who has some sort of connection. Yes. So I put, yes, put that out and say, hey. You are dropping little gems. I'm going to like compile all of this <laughs> because these are things like when something seems, you know, impossible and when you start like planning, like who is your support system? Are you in a church group? Are you in a whatever your family WhatsApp group? You know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. reach out to those people. And then if you just ask, they say closed mouths, don't get fed. Like somebody will know somebody else. And if that person doesn't know, they will direct you to somebody else that knows. So you really do have to like put out your feelers um, and, you know, make it happen. You have to be brave if you're going to travel the world. I mean, and not brave as in like, oh, it's scary out there. So let me get brave and get my, you know, but I think that, you know, it's, you know, for me, definitely, uh, you know, kind of like having a, a, a spiritual foundation, you know, um, I, I just kind of, and then just the experiences that I've opened myself up to, um, you know, gives me the confidence to travel around the world, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think another thing too, is that people forget, you know, I remember back years ago when they used to have uh, couch surfing. You know, you I, hit, I like a was a couch surfer. <laughs> A long yeah. time ago. Some people ain't into that. Some people ain't into staying with somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. I get it, you know. But you got, you know. But I, but to be able to travel does feel like a privilege. Um, but it I, is I, that know. in and of itself is because there are people, like you said, when you go to those countries and people just assume, like, oh, you got here, you must have a lot of money. Right. So what about the dr that experience? Because we got a little. <laughs> so. Oh, I gotta tell you. This- Yes, tell us, because there was a story with a lot of layers. Oh, there's a mini. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Some of my favorite stories about, you know, being in DR. Um, One, my I I stayed with a family, you know, and no one in the house spoke much English, if any at all, except the little son, the youngest son, Aldo. And he was about seven years old. And he was learning English at school. So every morning... We get up, you know, you stretch, you go, you know, do your whatever, come down. We sit at, when I would sit at the table to have breakfast with the family, every time he saw me in the morning, he would say, he would say, hello, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Every morning. Baby. I would just crack up. I thought at, at some point I was like, okay, this has got to be a joke because you just love seeing me laugh at this. But was, <laughs> you know, but I was so I was, I was really happy about that. You know, that was fun. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and I, I used to go to the beach a lot, and I remember my uh, host mom saying to me, you know, and she said it in Spanish, but she was like, Heraldo, you know, how come you don't study? <laughs> she was like, how, how come you don't study? Like, why did? <laughs> Like, how come you don't study like the other American students who've stayed with us? Mm-hmm. Like, study? I ain't come here to Because like, we're so near the beach and look, we look at the weather. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> They're going to get wet. It's my best life. <laughs> like, oh, my, my book is in the bag. It's in my it's in bag. The bag. Right. <laughs> yes. I love that they called you Gerardo. <laughs> Okay, this was around September 11th when I was there. Like this was in that ah, year, and so okay. what started? And so it was scary for us, you know, being abroad, 
you know, and all of the media, everybody's saying, you know, oh, if you're American, don't go out in public, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because there's all this anti-American stuff going on, mm-hmm. which we actually experienced, you know, I'd be, you know, and, and, and in fact, what was interesting about it is that as a, um, in that program, that study abroad program, I was the only black male, you know, black American male in mm-hmm. that program. Mm-hmm. So when I would travel around with everybody else, I'm, you know, I could be with a group of, of you know, white people, students, you know, um, and be the only, and then, you know, some, you know, some Dominicans would, you know, drive by and start chanting, uh, uh, Bin Laden, Bin Laden, you know, like things like that, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So there were moments when I was like, dang, like I might need to step away from y'all. So like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna meet y'all. Um, I'm, meet y'all. I'm about to catch this multiple country. Right. See tomorrow at the cat at school. Got it. Got right. it. Okay. Y'all have fun. Y'all be safe. <laughs> y'all be safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, you get to blend in. <laughs> right. What do we say? Somebody somebody said that in, because when I went to Colombia, I was in Cali, which is like, you know, predominantly uh, Afro-Colombians. And they're like, you don't have to worry because you got the complexion for the, for the protection. And they're like, all right, all right, all right, advantages. <laughs> it's true. I mean, DR was a great time. I thought I, I almost stayed another semester so because I could stay the whole year, but it was wonderful. I mean, the thing, too, is that, you know, I, we were talking about yesterday is that just, like, opening my mind so much. And my, my Spanish improved uh, tremendously, like, mm-hmm. more than everybody else in the program because mm-hmm. they went in with a certain level of, you know, knowledge for the language mm-hmm. that I didn't enter with. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I, you know, um, had, even though the elementary school I went to, we all had to learn Spanish. But it was still like elementary. I think I elementary stopped. Elementary level. Right, right. Yeah. And it's so, different being immersed, you know, when you're immersed in it and it's your day to day. Like you said, your host family didn't speak English. So you were made to push yourself. So you, I mean, I'm sure you saw like growth, leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was impressed by how well my Spanish was mm-hmm. at the end of that time. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I really, I mean, at that, I probably would have said I was fluent back then. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, that's why I, I actually like to travel, particularly to uh, Latin American countries by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about going somewhere in Latin America by myself, but mm-hmm. I just love it. I don't know That's why. awesome. I yeah, like solo I- travel is different. If you've not done it, then, hey, I recommend it. Gerald recommends it. Geraldo also I- recommends it. It's totally, totally yeah. worth it. Well, yeah. I have to tell you that you actually inspired me to go abroad all those years ago, because I remember you were in Atlanta. I was here in Texas, wherever I was in college. And I was so jealous that you got to do your study abroad that I like got up the courage to ask if I could do it. So when I say I had to ask, I actually, I literally had to ask permission because I was on a basketball scholarship. And if you don't know, like D1, any kind of D1 athletics, they are like hardcore. And you you do, you sign contracts, you sign one year renewable contracts. So I was contracted to be a student athlete at my university. And my good friend Gerald was abroad and he was having all these wonderful experiences because back in the day, you know, we, we had the telephone, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We were talking. <laughs> I don't know if we emailed <laughs> waiting for the internet to dial up. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I was just like, yes, that is like totally something I would want to do. So I went to my coaches, you know, full of hope, the same hope that you probably had when you went to your advisor. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do you want to? I had the opposite. They were like, girl, <laughs> nah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you <Okay>. cannot. <laughs> you are under a contract and we have your life is is ours. So um, I was not able to travel, do any kind of study abroad in college. But let me tell you, when I graduated, you did. I did. No, I did. And then I didn't stop. I just I kept going. You kept going. No, you you were like, I'm going to Spain. I'm moving to Spain. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you moving to Spain? Like, okay, like I did move to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, nah, you was like, I'm going to like, I'm moving. I'm one way ticket, holla back. <laughs> and we both left at the, around the same time. I went to you New went York. to New York. Oh, I really, yes. I really thought that that was extremely brave of you because um, you hadn't left yet. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't stay. I don't know if you had traveled. Had you traveled abroad before that? Um, yes, to Canada. <laughs> it counts. It's not the U.S. Mm-hmm. It counts. Yeah. You inspired me, and then I inspired you, and then like we keep inspiring each other. Keep inspiring. Right, right, right. Yes, and it does not stop because Gerald. Let's screech to you're back in Texas. You've had this beautiful experience of traveling and living in New York. I mean, and that energy, I can only imagine like just for a creative person like you, like how awesome that was. And then you were in Baltimore as well. So you've come back home and you were like, I need to bring that energy back to Dallas. So can you tell us like a bit about the projects that you're starting, how it was for you coming back home and you know, what are you doing right now? What are you doing nowadays? What's what? Part of the decision for me to come back home was because I actually, you know, and we might be a little different in this regard, but I I, I love Texas. I'm such a Texan, you know what I'm saying? But I'm also, but <laughs> I, I know, right? real quick. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that I'm also very global. You know what I mean? So I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just kind of like I, you know, I don't particularly see myself being like, okay, I'm in Dallas for the rest of my life. I don't think in those terms. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I still think of myself as a global citizen, almost Absolutely. like. But because I was, I was, I was raised here and I was exposed to so much art and culture, um, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't. It's, it's, it's not like in a lot of other places that I, that I've been to, right? Um, and I think that, you know, that was part of me leaving was because I wanted to experience all of this stuff that I imagined, you know, or saw on television or in movies and stuff. Right. So. Um, <clears throat> so coming back, you know, I said, you know, I knew that this was at a time really when a lot of people were starting to move to Texas, particularly Dallas, you know, Austin, Houston, wherever. Right. But uh, from all over the place, you know, and so people are coming here you know, from New York, from DC, from Chicago, from LA, from Atlanta, from all of these different places. And because I had lived or spent much time in all of those places, you know, and, um, and, you know, and, and, and successfully um, engaged in, you know, a professional and creative and social life, you know, I felt like I had an understanding, like I have an understanding of what uh, some of these transplants are looking for in a, in an arts and cultural experience. And so what it was, I mean, and the thing is, is that I felt like I noticed um, a void <clears throat> within art, culture, and even education that I could be a part of filling. So sort of me coming back is uh, in a way of like, like giving back, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, you know, and, you know, I, I mean, also it is a slower pace. I think that I was ready to kind of slow down a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that when I got here and I, I did slow down a little bit, but I was still so sort of like fast moving that um 
that you know it it was an adjustment and certainly you know the pandemic helped to really slow things down. <laughs> oh it's helped a whole lot <laughs> i'm going at a snail's pace <laughs> yeah. but, um but um but you know but i i do I, I you know this is nothing against the efforts of people who have been here for a long time who have been you know um you know uh elevating particularly black art and culture you know, um, people have been doing a, an incredible job, but I have my own perspective and I have my own network and um, and and resources. And I just kind of wanted to, you know, be here and, and, and do my thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm so glad to know you, to call you friend. And I it was an honor to have you on today. So do you have any parting words for people about anything that we've talked today, talked about today, like traveling, going abroad, you know, creating space, like finding that void and feeling and filling it. Any last um, word? You know, uh, I just want to say this, that it is always a wonderful thing to have friends who also travel uh, because, you know, you, you, you really feel like you're a part of a global community in that it way. It is a community <clears throat> and you have that level of understanding, you yeah. know, of yeah. like these shared experiences. It is it's a beautiful thing. Y'all find your tribe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 and, and. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to be connected to school to go into any of like, if my first time going abroad was through a program that had, you know, I mean, clearly the person that told me about it, you know, was connected to the organization, but the organization themselves weren't necessarily connected. So there to were the people school. in that okay. program, mm -hmm. and it was called Operation Crossroads Africa, and there were people in that program, you know, who weren't in college, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So That is a good point you make. So when you are talking about like finding these opportunities, it, it's it's not that, you know, you have to be enrolled in university or you have to have this or that or the other. It's that you are looking, right? Because a lot of these opportunities just go unclaimed because people don't know to look. So, hey, now you know the opportunity is out there. Go search, dig, find, reach out, cast that net. Because somebody, if you don't know, somebody you know will know. And on that note, mm -hmm. it happened. On that note, I want to say, I want to ask you, listeners, do you want to go? That's beautiful, Gerald. You guys, I'm not even going to do my outro because that was perfect. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Kimmy Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, be sure to share it with others and on social media. You can also leave a review or rating wherever you listen to podcasts. To hear the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at kiamushka underscore Kimmy Travels on Twitter at Kimmy underscore travels, or you can visit my website, www.kimmytravels.com. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time. And remember, enjoy the journey.